Morning. Morning. Everybody good? You sure? Hey, uh, we're in this series, uh, Ghost Stories, and basically what it's about uh, is a lot of, there's a lot of misconceptions about Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, and different things. So, and that's what our ghost uh, bros represent. Uh, so if that offends you, um, we're probably not the place for you because uh, that's probably on the lighter end of the scale of us pushing the boundaries. Uh, we love pushing the boundaries, uh, but we also believe in, you know, someone thought last week that I uh, had made a statement to my wife that they thought I was making fun of Pentecostals. I grew up a Pentecostal. I still consider myself a Pentecostal so I can make fun of myself. Um, amen. And anybody that grew up Pentecostal know those 10 things I mentioned were true. So, uh, but uh, no, man, we just want, we, we believe here, man, we believe God is a God of life. Amen? Yeah. He's a God of life, and, and we, we don't believe church should be boring. Come, watch while you hear me. I don't believe what uh, church should be boring. Um, and listen, a couple things before we kick off. One, next Sunday, Candy Palooza, a.k.a. Trunk or Treat. We still need some people that are willing to decorate their vehicles and give out candy. We've got candy, uh, but we need people that will decorate it. And we want to make this a great experience. So please, please sign up. Put it on your card. Hey, we want to be part of that. Also, uh, Sunday, November 7th, we're going to kind of close this series out. Uh, uh, that evening at 5 o'clock, we're going to show a movie, a documentary called Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, man, I've watched this movie, this documentary probably three times. And it's one of those, I, I'll show my wife stuff and I say, man, this just makes me hungry. It makes me want to operate in the fullness of Holy Spirit. So mark your calendars, Sunday, November 7th, we will be showing that documentary here uh, at 5 p.m., Third, this coming Wednesday is our night of worship. If you've never been part of our night of worship, you do not want to miss it. Man, we're going to come together, and it's all going to be centered, focused completely upon the worship of God and just uh, the intimacy with Him. So I want to encourage you to be that, to, or to be here. Well, welcome to week four of Ghost Stories. I hope, I hope my prayer with this series is that you leave here every week saying, oh, I understand a little bit more about who he is, what his function is. Uh, and it's not meant to confuse, but to, uh, to scripturally open our eyes and say, okay, he is real. He is for us. He is active in our lives today. Week one, we asked this question, who or what is Holy Spirit? And we looked at Scripture. He's God. He is much as uh, part of the Trinity as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is our helper, our paracletos, or as the ghost brothers thought I was saying, our parakeet. But paracletos, our helper. Uh, week two, we asked, why do I need Holy Spirit? Why do I need him? One, he brings life. He brings power. He enables us to carry out our God-given mission. He gives us courage to share Jesus. And we said this, Holy Spirit is not optional. He is absolutely essential in our walk. Last week, we talked getting Pentecostal with it. Uh, is Holy Spirit Pentecostal? 
And we say it depends on how, what your definition of Pentecostal is. If it means, uh, if it's the cultural definition of looking a certain way, uh, talking a certain way, uh, no makeup for women, uh, women, uh, denim jeans, hair up to here, and uh, men, no long hair. If that's your, I didn't know he's not Pentecostal. But if your definition of Pentecostal is, is this, that he is, we believe Acts 2 is the fruition and the fulfillment of Pentecost, that all the gifts, all the fruits of the Holy Spirit are still alive and active for us today, that his power lives inside of us. But Pentecost, anybody remember what the Greek word for Pentecost literally means? What? 50. 50th. Uh, the Feast of Pentecost took place 50 days after the Feast of Passover. Also in Acts 2, it occurred 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. And our, our final point was, yes, you can personally experience Pentecost today. Today, we're going to take on a very controversial aspect of Holy Spirit. Uh, there was this newly married couple, and the young man was had gone to the pastor to seek some counsel about some, some marital tension that was going on in their home and how he should go about it, how he should handle it. And the pastor said, said to the young man, he said, young man, you know, God quite often speaks to us through our wives. The young man seemed kind of shocked. And, and the pastor said, does, does it shock you that Holy Spirit would... And God would speak through your wife. He says, no, but it surprised me that he would use that kind of language. <laughs> Come on now. Today, we're looking at one of the most controversial parts of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Uh, first, let me say this. When it comes to tongues, there are two different types of tongues. Anybody know that? There's the gift of tongues. Then there's what we call the grace of tongues. You might know it better as your prayer language. The gift of tongues and the grace of tongues. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul draws a distinction between the gift of tongues and the grace of tongues or our prayer language that, that, that I believe every, every follower of Jesus can, can pray in. Today, we're going to look at the grace of tongues. I don't want you to just hear my opinion about it. I want to give you what the Word of God says about it. Amen? I grew up hearing this question a lot. And if you grew up like I did, you have to. Have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with what? The evidence of speaking in tongues. Anybody know where that term came from? And, and uh, I, I'm glad because I'm going to tell you. Uh, the background, in 1904 uh, in Wales, there was a great revival, the Welsh revival. It spread like wildfire. It spread over into America in 1906, and this is when probably the most famous revival in our country ever took place. Anybody know the name of that revival? The Azusa Street Revival. The Azusa Street Revival. Get this. For those that sometimes complain about coming on Sundays and occasional Wednesdays, and God forbid, Pastor, ask you to show up for a Monday night prayer meeting, get, <laughs> come on, get this. 
When they had this revival, services were held three times a day, seven days a week from 1906 to 1909. Yeah. And the revival continued on through 1915. They began to experience this powerful, this move of God. And through that move of God, man, they began to experience the infilling, the baptism in the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues. American preacher and evangelist William Seymour began to preach this, that speaking in tongues was the initial evidence that the believers in Acts had when they received the Holy Spirit. This, of course, caused a lot of debate. Uh, even division, uh, I know it's hard to believe that there's division in the churches today, but back then there was division. This began to cause division in mainline denominations because of that statement, the initial evidence. It was taken that, hey, I can judge whether or not you have the Holy Spirit by whether or not you speak in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And that's what was taken out. Well, out of this revival, the uh, Azusa Street Revival, was birthed the Pentecostal movement. And, and out of the Azusa Street Revival came several denominations. The Assembly of God, Church of God in Christ, Pentecostal Holiness Church, Pentecostal Church of God. There was a whole lot of good that came out of the Azusa Street Revival. But as the enemy does, whenever he sees a move of God taking place, he begins to look for ways to break it up. And how many knows he has learned the best way to break up a revival is to get inside. To find an inside person and cause division. And here's what happened during that time. And this is what I grew up with. If you're taking notes, here's what happened with speaking in tongues. You'll bring that up. Tongues became a demand rather than a desire. It became a demand. I grew up with this kind of thinking, and if, I, if I'm honest, here was, the kind, here was the way I was made to feel. And some of you may be able to relate. If you did not speak in tongues, you were almost made to feel less than. Come on, anybody relate? I, I don't think that was what they meant anything by it. I think they wanted you so badly to experience what they had, but, but there was all this pressure to speak in tongues. And, and at times it would be very confusing. Come on. Here's what I mean by that. I, you go down to the altar on this side. You've got someone saying, oh, hold on, hold on. At the very same time on this side, let go, just let go. And you're like, well, why, what do I do? Do I hold on? Do I let go? Is there, do I let on? I don't know. Is there an in-between? And, and you'd be in that prayer. And as a young man growing up in, in, in the denomination and the atmosphere, you didn't want anybody to know that you didn't speak in tongues. And some of y'all are going to think this is terrible. But you would find creative ways to make people think you spoke in tongues if you didn't. <laughs> Somebody, I can already feel the judgment coming at me. You'd, you'd go down to the altar. I want to receive it. And someone would say, hey, we're going to pray. We're going to stay here until you're tongue talking. I'm like, man, I'm tired. I'm hungry. <laughs> so you got creative. And you say, oh, see me tie my bow tie. 
or even get more creative. Oh, I bought a Kia, should have bought a Honda. I mean, and you just, to where they think, oh, he's got it. Let him go. Let him go. Praise the Lord. He can go to lunch. He can go to dinner. But, <laughs> but and the reason is because in that time, tongues became a demand rather than an earnest desire. And you almost felt bad if you didn't have it. Now, the, the, can I tell you, it should not be a demand. It should grow from a desire. If it's for me, I want everything Holy Spirit has for me. Most of us in here today in this room or online grew up in one of two environments. Uh, you either grew up in a church uh, where, where the gifts were not used at all, or you grew up in the environment of the church where the gifts, the Holy Spirit was misused or abused. Are, are you following me? Again, I, listen, uh, very few people uh, grew up in a theologically balanced environment. Uh, I mean, that's just truth, there, where, where the gifts were used according to Scripture. Again, I love my heritage. I love the church I grew up in. But if I'm being very honest looking back, the church I grew up in, a lot of times they misused the gift. Others may have grown up like my wife, Denise, where she grew up in a church where the gifts were not used at all, weren't even really talking about. Others, you didn't grow up in church, period, so all of this is, is new to you. So I want to tackle the question right now. Does Holy Spirit speak in tongues? I'm going to give you the short answer. You ready? No, he doesn't. He speaks in his language. To us... It's tongues. To us, it's different because when he speaks through us, we don't understand what he's saying. He, he, he is speaking in a heavenly language. He's speaking in his native language. So as a follower of Jesus, I want to give you some three things you need to know when it comes to your prayer language or speaking in tongues. The first one is this. It is definitely scriptural. It's scriptural. And we're going to look at the Bible. Uh, to, to show this, it's 100% scriptural. Here, here's what I ask. Whatever backgrounds you come from, if you come from a background where Holy Spirit was kind of, oh, that's for the weirdos, or if you come from a background where Holy Spirit may have been misused or abused, or, you know, here's what I ask you. Put aside that set of thinking and allow Holy Spirit, allow the Word to speak to what He actually says, what Jesus, what God says about it in the Bible. Uh, are, are you with me, church? Are, are you with me? Uh, we're we're going to look at uh, 1 Corinthians um, 14, where Paul is addressing the difference between the gift of tongues. Uh, if you're wondering what the, the here, here's a simple version. The gift of tongues is for public display followed by an interpretation. Gift of tongues. But the grace of tongues, it is our prayer language. It's that private use of the tongues. And you say, well, Kelly, does that mean we're not, we shouldn't use our prayer language in public settings? Absolutely not. I believe there is nothing more powerful than when you get a group of Holy Spirit-filled people together and they begin to pray in that prayer language. That is powerful. But there's, there's differences. And we're going, to look at, uh, we're going to look at the gift of tongues later on. But let's dive in. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This is Paul 
starting with verse 2. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Keep that up there for me for a minute. I love the way the Passion paraphrased it. It says this, when someone speaks in tongues, no one understands a word he says because he's not speaking to people. He's speaking to God. He is speaking intimate mysteries in the Spirit. The one who speaks in tongues, Paul says, utters mysteries in the Spirit. But he's not speaking to men. He's speaking to who? When we speak to God, what do we call that? Prayer. Praying. He, Paul is talking about praying in tongues. He's talking about our prayer language. He, he's making a, distinguish, uh, a distinction between public gift of tongues and prayer language. Now jump down to verse 14. Listen to this. Paul says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is what? In other words, when I'm praying in the Spirit, I don't have a clue what I'm saying. What's the point of that, Kelly? If you don't know, well, why my human mind doesn't know what I'm praying? God knows exactly what's being prayed. And he says, verse 15, so what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my mind. I will sing praise with my spirit. But also, I'm going to sing praise with my mind. Paul's like, hey, not only do I, so do I only pray in tongues? No. He said, don't discount one for the other. Pray in tongues, but pray in words that others will understand. And get this, he's not, for this is going to freak some of you out. Paul says, not only do I pray in tongues, I sing in them. I sing in tongues. So he's talking about praying and singing. But Paul wants them to keep their wits about them. He says, I pray in the spirit. I pray with my mind. And look what he follows that up with, verse 16. Otherwise, if you give thanks or if you pray with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he doesn't know what you're saying? Paul says, praying in the spirit's great. But there are times you need just to pray with your own words so that those around you know what you're praying. So that those around you can say amen and agree. Here's what Paul is addressing here in the church in Corinth. This, this is, I'm telling you, when you study it, this is actually what's going on. And this is why Paul is addressing it. People, after the Holy Spirit filling and speaking in tongues, here's what was going on in the church at Corinth. People would just walk up to you and you say, hey, how's your day going? And they begin to speak in tongues and then expect you to interpret what they were saying. How much pressure is that? You come up to me and do that, I'm going to be like, thus saith the Lord, um, don't ever wear that outfit again. Thus saith the Lord, quit doing stupid things. Uh, you know, but that's what they would do. And Paul was like, man, don't do that. Why? Because he says this, you're making them feel like outsiders. It's becoming a demand and not a desire. They had no clue what you're talking about. And even here in Corinth, it says they became outsiders. Paul says, guys, don't do that. They can't agree with you. They can't join you. And you're making them feel like they don't belong in your circle. Stop it. Then he continues, verse 17. For you may be giving thanks well enough. Hey, you may be having yourself time in the spirit. But the other person is not being built up. 
A passion paraphrased it like this. Your praise to God is admirable, but it does nothing to strengthen or build up others. Look how the message says it. Pull that up for me. Your blessing might be beautiful, but you have very effectively cut that person out of it. Wow. Paul says, you prayed a really good prayer. It sounded great. Had rhyme, had rhythm, it had a nice flow to it, but it did nothing to build anyone else up. No one could understand you. No one could join in with you. You cut everyone out. Let me ask, who's writing this? Who, Who is it? Paul, the apostle Paul, the greatest apostle to ever live, wrote a third of the New Testament. Paul is not discrediting tongues here. Keep that in mind. He's not saying don't do it. In fact, in verse 18, Paul makes this statement. Hey, I speak in tongues more than any of you. So he's not saying don't do it. But he says, I do both. I do both. It's scriptural. Okay, PK, but why do I need my prayer language? Why do you say that every follower of Jesus needs this prayer language? That brings me to my second point. The second thing you need to know when it comes to speaking in tongues or your prayer language is this. It comes with benefits. It comes with, there are benefits to it. Google the term missing out on benefits, and you will come up with a plethora of things. Missing out benefits from child uh, tax credit benefits. One article I I read about senior citizens said this, millions of eligible seniors are missing out because they don't know about the benefits. I believe that is what's happened in the church with the Holy Spirit. So many followers of Jesus are missing out on the benefits of their prayer language simply because of this. They don't know about the benefits. They don't know what it could add to their walk, to their faith life with walk, the grace of tongues, the, the prayer language. So, so what are those benefits, Kelly? Uh, uh, how will this benefit me? I'm so glad you asked. Let me show you three benefits. One is this. It builds you up. It builds you up. If you're taking notes, it builds you up. How many know this life? Can you pull that point up for me, please? How many know this life can tear you down? Come on. It can tear you down. Uh, It it can knock you down. It it, it can make you feel like you are one Jenga block away from just totally being scattered everywhere on the ground. Are you with me? People can tear you down. Workplace environments can tear you down. Come on. Oh, this is not even in my list. Social media can tear you down. Good Lord. I know I keep harping on this, but some of the, y'all, the best thing y'all could do is walk away from that. Save yourself some drama, a headache, and, and quit stirring it up. Come on. You don't have to post everything that comes to your mind. Y'all better be glad I don't. Circumstances can tear you down. A doctor's report can tear you down. Rifts in a marriage can tear you down. And it's a sad, sad statement to make, but it's true. Even in church, sometimes the church has become known for tearing people down and building them up. Hurts and disappointments can tear you down. 
Loneliness, regrets can tear you down. There are a thousand other things I can mention that in this life can tear you down. But look what Paul says back in verse 4. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. The, the King James Version says edifies himself. The Greek word, I'm not even going to pray. I, I, I listened to them say this word in my office several times. And when I thought I had the pronunciation down, I would blow it. So I'm not even going to attempt it. But here's what the Greek word used for edify and build means. It means to build a house or to restore, to repair by building or rebuilding. I don't know about you. There are some things in my life that need restoring. That need rebuilt. That need to be built back up. Paul says the one who speaks, who prays in tongues, repairs himself, restores himself, builds himself back up. When you're, listen, when you're not getting the feedback or the encouragement you need at home, at school, at job, at the, at the work from your boss, from your parents, the government, the Holy Spirit has a way of reaching in and the things that have been torn down in your life, restoring them and building them back up. Look what Jude said in Jude 1 and 2. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and what? Praying in the Holy Spirit. It builds you up. That's one of the benefits of your prayer language. The second one is this. It is a weapon. It's a weapon. I think we can all agree that we're in an all-out war. We're in a war for our families. Come on. We're in a war for our children and their identities. We're in a war for our our children and family members that that are in a a cycle of addiction. Come on. We're in a war for for, uh, babies that that, that are growing up without fathers or mothers. We are in an all-out war for our marriages, our health. And I, I want to look at a passage of Scripture that a lot of you may be familiar with. It's in Ephesians 6. And we love this verse. Verse 13, Ephesians 6. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, I believe that day's come. When the day of evil comes, I believe we're in it. You may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand. I don't think anyone would disagree that we are living in a day of evil. Turn on the news. And I'm not talking just things that are happening across our country. or I'm talking in our backyard. The addiction rate in our country, get this, according to the CDC, last year, 2020, there was a record high of 93,331 overdose deaths. In our country. That's a pandemic we should be focusing on. That's a pandemic we should be paying more attention to. Oh man, don't even get me started. That's 20,000 more people higher than in 2019. Get this, it's estimated that somewhere between 15,000 to 50,000 women and children will be forced into sex slavery in the good old U.S. of A. 
We are two and a half to three hours from one of the nation's largest hub when it comes to sex trafficking or Atlanta, Georgia, one of the biggest hubs. I mean, you look at the shootings that take place in our schools, our workplaces, or just down the street. There's so much division on anything and everything. And you know what I'm saying? If we don't have division there, somebody will come up a way to make make some division. The days are evil. Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand. He then goes on in that and begins to give us a list. He said, hey, put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, shod your feet with the gospel of peace. Get the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Paul gives us all these pictures of, these ar- of this armor and these weapons that we can visualize. But then he says, hey, but I've saved the best one for last. And in verse 18, he says this, pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. Pray in the spirit. Listen, it's great. Put on the armor. Do all that. But don't forget this piece of armor. Pray in the spirit at all times. Why, Paul? Because this is a weapon you cannot afford to go without in your faith walk. You need this weapon. Here's, a, here's, a, here's why this is such a great weapon. When you pray in the Spirit and the Spirit is praying through you, while you can't understand what's being prayed, get this, neither can the enemy. He doesn't know what's being prayed either. So it confuses him. So I'm telling you, it's a weapon. The third benefit that I want to give you is this. He prays when you can't. He prays when you can't. You ever been in a situation where you really didn't know what or how to pray? You ever been so broken by your sin that you've prayed over and over again, but you just couldn't break away from it? Have you ever been hit out of nowhere by a doctor report or served papers or something out of nowhere and you're like, I don't even know how to pray in this moment? He prays. When you can't. Look what Paul says in Romans 8. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. I love the way the Passion. In fact, I read the Passion translation this morning and went back and changed it because it's just so powerful. Check this out. In a similar way. The Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs that are too deep for words. He prays when we can't. He takes hold of it. He takes hold of our human frailty and, and empowers us. And then he rises up within us and begins to intercede on our behalf. You know what they say that the, I'm trying to get this right. Casey knows this. Some of y'all may. Uh, the, the, the stupidest or dumbest criminal is, or something like that is one that represents himself. You've heard that? 
instead of getting a lawyer, they want to represent themselves. The Holy Spirit steps in and says, ha, 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 ha. You're not representing yourself in this matter. Because I'm going to speak a language that you don't know, but God knows it. And he'll know exactly what I'm bringing before him on your behalf. I'm, oh, mm. hey, well, what about those times when what we want gets in the way with what God wants? Oh, nobody else? Yeah, that's just me. Yeah, I mean, those times we start praying according to our will, not God's will. And in those moments, what does the Spirit do through us? Look at, look at it, uh, verse 27. The God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings. He knows what we want, yet he also understands and knows what the Spirit wants. Because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, his holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. He says, hey, Holy Spirit knows what you want. He knows it, but he also knows what God wants. And what he's doing is causing himself. He's praying through you so that what God wants will begin to line up with what you want. Come on. Ain't nobody ever pray or not pray because you're afraid God's going to answer your prayer in a way you didn't want him to? Hey, this, funny, this is a funny story, humorous story, and my grandkids may uh, kill me for sharing this, but Denise was talking to April this past week or a couple weeks ago, and, and she's working at this private school, this private Christian school, and she called Denise and said, man, we've been praying, and I'm watching these kids and, man, what they're learning and, and, and what's going on inside of them, and me and Josh said, we want Ezra and Eliana to be part of this, and so they they wrote a letter to the, pre or the, the president and said, hey, just apply for a scholarship. And she said, okay. Said, uh, so they began to apply, and they, well, they met with Eliana and Ezra and said, hey, guys, you know, uh, here's what we're thinking. And the start of, of, of school next year, the, uh, the, uh, in January, you'll probably be going, and they begin, no, no. Said, well, why don't you pray? No, we don't want to pray. We want to stay with our friends. But aren't we like that? No, I know what I want. And this is what I want. And God is over sitting and saying, I know that's what you want. But here's what you need. This may make you feel good in that moment. But this is going to equip you for a lifetime. Are you hearing me, guys? I'll be honest with you. As your pastor, there's some things when it comes to this church that I'm not even really sure what the will of God is for. And that's me being honest for certain things. I know what I want to see happen. Are you following me? I know what I think should happen, but there are times I have to pray in the Spirit so that the Spirit can cause God's will for this church to begin to come over and infiltrate my will. And make my will now God. Make, make it where God's will now is my will. Y'all you know, know what I'm saying. Either way I said it doesn't sound right. But there are times I think I said this in week two of this series. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not that you get more of Holy Spirit. It's that the Holy Spirit gets more of you. 
And that's what this process is. When he begins to get so much of you that your wants change. And you begin to want what God wants. Can I tell you, I'm, I've been doing this a very long time. And, and there's still a lot of times I don't want what God wants. I want what Kelly wants. That's why some of y'all are still here. No, no, joke. Little humor. Little humor. Some, some of y'all, is he talking about me? I'm just going to stay just so I can be a thorn in his side. No, no. Honestly, there's something. And I'm saying, God, you know. Okay. Because I know. I've learned. I've lived enough to know if I go ahead with what I want. Man, I'm going to regret it later. Who is Holy Spirit? He's God. That means he has the mind of God. That means he knows the heart of God. That that means he knows the plans that God has for your life. Why would we not want that operating in our lives? Why would we not want the one that knows the heart, the mind, the plans of God? Why would we not want them praying through us? Come on. There's several of you, and I'm closing if I can get Bob or Bob. Come on up. Several of you that have never prayed in the Spirit. It's not a demand here. It's not a demand here. My staff, my leadership, it's not a demand here. But I want you to desire it. There are others here that maybe, man, there was a time when Holy Spirit had so much of you that you really, you prayed in the Spirit. But it's been a very long time. The last thing you know, you need to know when it comes to the grace of tongues, when it comes to your prayer language, is this. It's your choice. Your choice. Today when we took up offering, your phone didn't just automatically pop out of your pocket and text give. And some of you, while while I set up my my, my draft were every week, but it didn't just automatically do that. You had to set it up. When, when that bucket passed by you, your check didn't just jump out of, didn't just jump out of Ben's pocket and write itself and go in there. Your cash, if you're, it didn't just say, oh, come out of your pocket and you go, oh, I got the gift of giving. You may have the gift of giving, but you still had to reach in your pocket, your pocketbook, take it out and put it in. You still had to take that phone out, text the amount where you want it. You still had to set up that bank to, to, to draw that for online banking. Paul said, I will pray with my spirit, but I'm also going to pray with my understanding. In other words, he said, I'm going to engage my will. My will. I hope you're getting this. I've got to make a choice to do this. I've got to make a choice whether I feel like doing it or not. Oh, man. I'm just trying to figure out whether I should be, how honest I should be with you this morning. Anybody just not feel like coming to church today? I didn't, and I'm the pastor.
And even me and Ben were talking, man, there's a funk in here. There's something. I don't know what it is. But even when I don't feel like it, I do it. Whether I feel the goosebumps or not, or we used to call them the holy goosebumps, I do it. See, in order for the Holy Spirit to pray through you, in order for you to have your prayer language, you have to yield yourself to Holy Spirit. You must give up. This is the hardest part. You must give up control. Hmm. You have to stop trying to control everything and anything that happens in your life or your surroundings. Come on, anybody know a control freak? Don't point at your spouse right now or your where they've got to, yeah, when it comes to Holy Spirit and your prayer language, you got to put that on the back burner. You have to be willing to yield your whole self to Holy Spirit. See, some of you are waiting for Holy Spirit to come in and some kind of put you in some induced coma. Or somebody, some of you waiting for, I'm going to be in the altar and then it's going to be like a light and a boat hits me and bam, I'm just going to, can I, you know let me tell you how I received, because as you, as I said earlier, it was, it was more of a demand, and it put all this pressure. I was 18 years old. Grew up in this now. I was a late bloomer when it comes to speaking in tongues around my settings. But I'd been at a camp meeting, Church of God camp meeting that night. They told I, came, I came home, I went to sleep. I began to dream that I was speaking in tongues. When I woke up, I was speaking in tongues. You know what happened? I had to get out of my head. I had to get out of my own head and how I thought it should happen, how I thought things would would sound. But Kelly, it just sounds like a bunch of gibberish to me. Let me ask you, we've got got a one-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old grandbabies. Sonny, little boy, he'll say, Papa. He doesn't say it near that clear. And he's getting, he said that before he said, Bubby. I just want to throw that out there. And it's even less clear than Papa. But Denise swears it's Bubby. But here's my point. When he speaks it, I don't say, hey, hey, hey. You come back when you can say that clearer. No. As babies, they begin to speak, form words. They form words before they form sentences. You know that. And they begin to form those words and say those words. And then now, my two-and-a-half-year-old, this little girl with attitude, Juno, says sentences that you're like, is that coming out of you? The other day she walks into her bathroom and the knob's broken off one of her, her things. She tells me, Bobby, you got to glue this back on. <laughs> That's the way the prayer language works. And you may get a word here, but I yield myself. That just sounds stupid to me, God. Yeah, well, don't, you don't remember when you were one year old trying to speak. But it sounded stupid to everybody else but mom and daddy. And you need to know, you may think it sounds foolish to other people, 
But to your father, I hear it. I'm making out the words you're trying to say. And you don't even know what you're saying. And I hope it's making sense to you. Stand with me across this room. I said this, you know, last week. You had, you had to receive salvation through faith. Same way as it is with your prayer language. You just begin to speak it in faith. Faith. In Acts 2 it says, they began to speak as the Spirit gave them the utterance. In the upper room that day, as the Spirit began to well up inside of them, they, the, the Holy Spirit welled up, it did its work, but they had to release their tongue and say, okay, I'm going to surrender. Here's what I'm going to ask. Man, I'm not even going to ask our prayer team to come up. I don't believe this is one of those moments where you're going to need somebody to lay hands on you. I believe there are people here today that's going to get your prayer language. It's your choice, though. It's your choice. Kelly can't can't, can't he do it from where I'm sitting? Absolutely. Uh, y'all heard me say he did it uh, in, in bed one night for me. And some of you, you may come up today and say, oh, I want it. And you may say, nothing happened. But then you may go home and there'll be a holy moment where he begins to well up in you and you're by yourself and you'll say, this is what I'm hearing. I'm gonna, nobody's around. I'm going to say it. And you say that, and you're going to feel God go, yeah. Ben, that's the word. Quit getting inside your own head. Are you hearing me? No, I feel like Holy Spirit speaking to you right now. Get out of your head. Quit thinking it's going to sound a certain way. Quit thinking it's going to sound like your daddy speaks or your mama speaks or I speak or Faye speaks or somebody else. No, he's, he's, he's going to use your language. And how me, I am the biggest redneck. When he, I hate hearing myself talk because when I hear myself speak on the podcast, I'm like, good Lord, I sound like a redneck. <laughs> and then Holy Spirit, well, that's how I talk through you. I speak your language. So that you can speak my language. Get out of your head. Get out of your head. You want to receive your prayer language. I'm just going to ask as the, as the team begins to sing. I don't even know what we're singing. I have no clue. Hopefully he's in tune with Holy Spirit. And knows what Holy Spirit told him to sing. But I'm going to ask you, hey, just come up and say, you know what? I don't, I don't even understand this. But it, are those benefits, I need to be able to build myself up because at work, at home, my man, things are tearing me down and I need to be able to restore. I need a weapon. I need a spiritual weapon because the battles I'm fighting, they're not against flesh and blood. They're against spiritual principalities in the air. I need it. And God, I need that because there have been times when I didn't know how to pray. And if one of the benefits is you begin to pray, I, I need that. If that's you, 
step out where you're at right now. Come up to this altar and just say, Holy Spirit, I yield my entire self to you. And that includes my mouth and my tongue. That's what you want. Step out right now. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Amen.